This episode is made possible by PwC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. Welcome to the Changebook Radio Show with your host, work-life fit expert, Deb Crow. Join Deb every week as she interviews the co-authors from all over the globe. They'll share their insights into self-empowerment with their personal stories and real-life experiences that will help your own personal development and touch every area of your life. Join Deb every Wednesday on Blog Talk Radio at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, good evening, everybody. It is Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to everyone tuning in with us tonight on the Changebook Radio Show. It's February 14th, 2018. And before we launch with our guest tonight, Johnny Mornay, I want to talk to you just for a brief moment about our sponsor. Our sponsor for February is Mike Greenlee. And Mike is a speech coach, he's a writer, and he's a lyricist. He does writing of many kinds. If you ask Mike, he will say to you, having been a, an executive, that he knows what it's like to be on the other side of the desk, an experience he applies to writing speeches that save time and effort for his clients while conveying their messages with clarity and impact. Mike prides himself on polishing other people's drafts of speeches, letters, presentations, etc. He said he's yet to meet a first draft that he can improve to his client's delight. So visit Mike's website at www.mikegreenlee.com. So my guest tonight is Johnny Mornay from book number eight. And I'll tell you, I was having a hard time booking this co-author from book number eight because he commutes between Texas and Dubai. Yes, you heard me correctly, Texas and Dubai. Let me tell you a little bit about Johnny. He is a successful international businessman. He is an award-winning author and speaker. He says he has clear-cut concepts whereby just helping others is really what is important to ensure that you're going to attract the best that life has to offer you. He has shared the stage with some of the sharpest minds, including Les Brown, Dr. Wayne Dyer, and Tony Robbins. So, Johnny, you finally made it. Welcome to the Changebook Radio Show. Thank you, Deb. Uh, it's a real honor to be on with you and your listeners, and I'm looking forward to having some fun because I know you are a fun lady, and you are, you know, you, you never gave up. You were persistent, and you were like, "We're going to get this done." So thanks, Absolutely. thank you, and I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm I'm honored to be your fellow co-author in the Change Book series, and and that's my first question for you, and and it's the only question that I I ask every week on the show to all the authors. We are just we're just getting ready to close off book 15, and we've hit 300 authors now. We're in 26 countries. So when Jim Britt and Jim Luke contacted you. What made the decision that you wanted to write the chapter, which we're going to talk about, and join our global community? Uh, well, change is what uh, what uh, changed what turned my life around. You know, at, at one point in time, I was uh, 
addicted to crack cocaine, and my life was spiraling out of control. I was divorced, and everything was going wrong. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. So without change, uh, there's no way that you can make that, 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 that step change to get a different outcome from the, the results that you were producing uh, before. Well, and I find that most people that have gone through, I like to call them life experiences, and have been in the valley, and I find that when they rise back up, Johnny, they're stronger than they were before. So sometimes I think it takes a crisis or a trauma or sometimes just a life happening to really allow us to step into our greatness. So we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about more about your story. I really loved your chapter in book eight, and you, you titled it The Top Five Global Networking Positions of Power. And one of the things that you and I were chatting about uh, before we went live is there's a real distinction between networking and relationship building. And I would really love for you to give an overview to the listeners of your opinion of that and how you run your global business, because you do often commute between Texas and Dubai, which is phenomenal. But what does that right. really mean to you as an international entrepreneur? Uh, to me, you know, uh, you know, as I go back and forth uh, with limited time, so you actually you should have a strategy of what you want to accomplish when you do go to events. And, uh, you know, what's the desired result? You know, some of my clients, they come to me, I'm going to uh, this networking event, I'm going to this meetup club, and my question to them is why? So why are you going? What is, it, what is the desired outcome you want to gain by going to this meeting? And a lot of them, first of all, they're going to the wrong meetings. They're in the wrong room with the wrong people. So you wasted all this time, energy, and resources, and money by being in the wrong room with the wrong people then you do not have a strategy of what you want to do or who you want to connect with once you're in the room. You should always have a target, uh, target connection when you enter the room. So if I want to connect with um, Les Brown, uh, so I would, I would have a strategy of how I'm going to connect with Les Brown when I go to his events. And that's, that's simple things that you can do to, to gain, that, uh, gain that access to high-level uh, thought leaders. I'm I'm sitting here smiling because do you not find that it's I don't know what's happening there. Do you not find that it's interesting that people will just keep going to events and they don't really have a purpose, but they overuse that word networking. Yeah, networking and connection. Uh, you know, well, I got this guy's business card, so I have a connection. That's not a connection. That's a contact. That's all you have. You just have a contact. That's not a connection. Me, me exchanging business cards with you, we're not connected by simply doing that. You have to follow up and start building that relationship to make sure it, it at the end of the day, becomes a uh, connection. But a lot of people run around with business cards and they, well, I know this guy. It's just like people on social media. You know, this guy, I'm, you know, I'm friends with this guy, this guy. Well, you don't know those people. So you're really not friends. You're just contacts. So how do we help people to differentiate? Do we educate them that they need to maybe shift their perception and realize that networking is just, uh, to me, I, I joke and, and, and tend to instill humor for things like this. And, you know, networking to me is 
standing vertical in a room with a bunch of people I don't know. And like you mm-hmm. said, if, if there's if there's not a strategy, if I want right. to meet someone, I'm going to meet them. And another element, and I know you talk about it in your chapter, we can't get caught up with social media and likes and followers and stature and prestige because my dad used to use a great line. He used to say, you can pick anybody famous in the world. So let's just say Bill Gates because everybody knows who that is. Bill mm-hmm. Gates gets up in the morning and you know what? He, he gets out of bed and puts his feet on the floor the same way you and I do. Absolutely. He's just a person. But in order to build a relationship, how do you feel or recommend is the best way to meet someone with etiquette and professionalism that may have stature or prestige? Because, I mean, everybody, I'm sure, would love to meet Bill Gates or, you know, mm-hmm. the, uh, the owner of any kind of big Fortune 500 company. But it's not like you can just pick up the telephone now and call them. There's a protocol. So how do you approach that? And what would you recommend to our listeners? Uh, first of all, they need to do the homework uh, and research. What please do these, whoever con- they want to contact, whether it's Bill Gates or anyone else, do research and see, and see what's important to them. You know, what charities are they associated with? Uh, what are their kids, you know, like? Uh, what are their hobbies? And you know, one of the things I used to do when I was with uh, Halliburton is I would go into to offices, and I would purposely, when I sit in the office, I would purposely look on the wall because everybody has their love me wall in the office. So you can see, you can understand if this guy wants, he loves fishing, this guy loves uh, golfing. And so what I would do, I would send them, you know, gift certificates, go to, to the Bass Pro Shop or gift certificate to the, uh, to the golf range. And so you want to stand out because most, most people, they don't want to deposit. They want to go in and make a withdrawal straight away. I mean, you've you got, you got to add value to these people. I mean, you're like Bill Gates. He's a high-level guy. So you need to understand how can I add value to his life. And once you add value, it's like the law of reciprocation. It, it's going to take care of itself. And I think because we've become – such a technology dependent society, I find that people are impatient and I'm going to use LinkedIn as a platform and I'd love you to chime in because I know that we are both on LinkedIn and it's Mm -hmm. one of my, it's one of my tools in my toolkit, but it's not my main one, but I find it's a nice way to ask someone to connect with you. And I always, like you said, I, incorporate that social etiquette, if you will. And I use that Mm -hmm. ability to add a note to say, this is why I would like to connect with you or we have a similar contact and so and so. And nine times out of 10, they will connect with me. So my point on this is I'm always intrigued when people reach out on LinkedIn to connect. And if I accept their connection, I never hear from them. How do you feel right. about that, and how do you how do you maintain your contacts or try and get new contacts using LinkedIn as a social media platform? Like I said, well, you have to do research. I do I do my research, and once I, I I I before I even contact them, I go in and try to look at their profile. Once you read their profile, you can you can get a pretty good idea of what's important to them. And once you 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 put that out there, once you uh, you say, okay, I want to invite. I'm going to invite you to join me because of w- whatever the case may be. 
and you want to find some commonality. Once you find some commonality, then you stand out far beyond everybody else because everybody else is just pressing to just get what they can get rather than add value and like and showing people that you you have taken time to actually check them out to understand where they're coming from and what's important to them. So you're not actually wasting their time. I mean, because, you know, of course, you know, there's there, but, you know, LinkedIn and Facebook, people will send you messages left and right about their great products and great this and their great that, and they haven't added an ounce of value before they even start asking for withdrawal. No deposit, just automatic withdrawal. So you're insufficient funds, so you get nothing. And I, I still find that people do this, Johnny, over and over again. Oh, and no. I, you know, I look to Jim Britt and Jim Lutz, who are so amazing and such a great representation, like you are, for, I don't even think they like the word networking. You have no. to build a relationship, whether you're doing anything in life, whether it's personal, business, volunteering, it doesn't matter. Behind any business transaction is a person. There's a human being there. And I'm finding that with technology, that a little bit of that is getting lost. And I'm just wondering what strategies that we can teach from our generation to the next few generations, even to young children. And it really concerns me because I think technology has consumed the younger generation. I think there's less face-to-face communication. And, you know, you remember when email came out, how easy is it to do an email or a message, a text message, Facebook message? It doesn't matter. How easy is it to misconstrue your words? Like, your tone can come across so different from when you're doing a face-to-face conversation, you know, and in my opinion, nothing will ever replace that for me. What do you, what do you feel about that? Face-to-face is the key. Um, you know, it, it drives me nuts. Emails drive me crazy. Uh, when I'm over in the Middle East, you know, on these oil field projects, and, you know, we've got projects that are doing $30 million a day every day. And so I see emails from people who are sitting in the same building, and it drives me nuts. And I call them in my office like, what, why didn't you step in the two doors down and say this question? Now i got to get involved because, you, you, like you said, the tonality and the way you put it across, the message doesn't seem like what you wanted it to seem like. Sit down face-to-face and discuss it. And so there's no, there's no misrepresentation. Of, people don't say, okay, well, I thought you meant this and you, you meant that. So now we spend all day trying to sort this out of something that you could took five minutes to sit down face-to-face and settle. And now we got everybody involved, and now we got, you know, we got meetings and we got this, trying to sort something out that it could five, took five minutes. And, I, and also, when we need something done, I will actually, I will, I will make sure that I go and represent the company and sit down in front of whether it's a government official or whoever, whoever the case may be, and we discuss it and talk it out face-to-face. Because this email, back and forth emails, we wasted two or three days back and forth emails, and you drive 30 minutes, five minutes in there, you sell it, and we keep moving. Exactly. Just, you know, it's it's common sense, but it's not common sense anymore, is it? Yeah, common sense, but like Les Brown says, it's common sense, but not common practice. Exactly. That's a good way of saying it. Say that again. It's common sense, but not common practice. 
not common practice. Now, I know you've got a new website, and I want to tell everybody about it. It's businessrelationshipexpert.com. I love the colors. And tell us about your new website, and just give an overview of your company and what you're doing right now, because it's I didn't want to take away from your story because it's just so intriguing to me that you're working between Texas and Dubai. So give us an overview and, and tell us about your new website. Oh, well, my new website, like you said before, it's, it's, it's people to people. Uh, and, and my website explains that, you know, the B to B, the B to C, it's nonsense. It has always been P to P, person to person. I don't care if it is a company. It's still a person within that organization. Uh, if it's a business, it's still a person within that business that you're dealing with. It's always going to be a person that you have to deal with. So this, this, this B2B and B2C is, is nonsense to me. There's always going to be a person involved at the end of the day. So you have to you have to sharpen those skills to make sure that you are adding value because we're all, we all going to need help at some point in time. And And as you said before, and my concept is give it, give, and it should be given unto you. So you give first, and then it will, it will come back. Uh, but a lot of people they want to, they want to take what I give them, and and that's what sidetracks a lot of people. And and it, it it amazes a lot of a lot of folks that I deal with because when they find out that you know I'm just on with high school education, but I'm I'm involved with these guys with you know master's degrees and D's, and I can deal with them all day long because they are not person to person type of people. So when I can add value, and this guy, he's got a PhD, but you're not adding any value. So I stand out far above what you're trying to do. So I'm making a difference in people's lives. I'm making a difference in the bottom line. And, and that's what you have to That's what you have to do. If you want to stand out, if you add to the bottom line, people don't care what you look like, uh, what color you are, uh, what your gender is, if you're adding to the bottom line and adding value, people will simply do not care. They are only care about what you can do for them. And once you do something for them, like I said, the law of reciprocity, they will give back to you. So give, and it shall be given unto you. Well, I know my grandma used to say to me, don't worry about giving. You just, you you have a daily goal of serving others and if you keep yes. serving like you said it always comes back tenfold comes and it back. does yeah the thing i do when i wake up in the morning is, is i want to be a blessing to somebody show me i can be a blessing to somebody it's not what i can get or what uh what i can do to make myself stand out and be uh acknowledged by you know the president of, of some uh, royal family is nothing like that. It, it's how I can add value, how I can be a blessing to someone else. And, and I and I make sure that I bless people and I make sure that when they go out and execute what I told them, that they get credit for what I told them. It's not about me. It's about them. I told them, I, I gave them the information, but they went out and they executed it. I didn't execute it. I only gave them the information. Well, I... I think that soft skills are being lost in the current workplace. And I think it's something that cannot be read in a book, trained in school. I think it's a combination of who you are as a person. I think it's how you've been raised, what core beliefs and values have been instilled. 
because like you, I have worked with many intelligent people that have anywhere from undergrad to master's degree to their PhD, much like you. And Mm -hmm. I go back to learning uh, in a class I remember in high school. And I guess if I had to rename it, looking back on it, it was kind of a little bit of insight into emotional intelligence. And soft skills, you either have them or you don't. And my grandmother taught me that one of the best skills that I could have from a communication perspective is to listen and to listen Mm -hmm. well. She used to say, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason because you're supposed to listen twice as long. And it's interesting to me because she taught me to listen with the intent to process what I was really hearing, not to listen with the intent to respond. And I really think that that served me well over the 23 years that I did my medical case management role in my company because I was always with people who were really hurt and really emotional. And I think the the harder the file was for me and all the different relationships with lawyers and insurance companies, much like you, I could sit in the room and be that mediator with all those problems and just Mm -hmm. really listen. Because when you really listen, you find out what's really the problem. And nine times out of 10, it's, it's a communication breakdown. Would you agree? And do you see that in your business? Oh, absolutely. See that Uh, from a little kid, uh, I used to get in trouble in school for talking. And so my aunt came to to the school one day and, and she was, she was, she was pretty upset. So when she got me home, she said, you know what? You need, she didn't tell me to shut your mouth. She, she told me that your ears never get you in trouble. Listen, your mouth gets you in trouble, but your ears never get as a young kid. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, you know, in, 2000, in 2004, I discovered my why. And my why is I reach out to brokenhearted, hurting people to show them, despite their past thoughts or actions, there's always hope for change. And, and you're just a step away from that. So if and no, I've gone through a lot. I mean, a whole lot. We couldn't even share it in this in this show. I've been through so much, but I I I learn from those things, and it 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 enables me to have empathy towards people. So I will listen, and I can feel I can feel that pain. I mean, you can't read that in the book. I mean, if you haven't gone through it, you you can't read in the book. You can't really feel it. And so I think that's that's one of the, one of the things that gives me uh, advantage on a lot of people. Uh, because, okay, you got a Ph.D., but I've got a Ph.D. in hard knocks, so we can see what the difference is going to be when you're dealing with everyday life. Well, I have a Ph.D. in hard knocks, too, so kudos to you, and and I think those life experiences make us phenomenal people, and I, I think it makes us relatable. And you made a really good point that I just want to kind of expand on, People get caught up and I think almost confused sometimes because they don't want our sympathy and we shouldn't be sympathetic. We should offer and be, you know, empathy because empathy is, you know, putting ourselves in their shoes and really feeling how they're feeling and just allowing that relatability to to happen they don't want our right. sorrow. They don't want our pity. And it's, you know, one of the things that I, I think people struggle with is when someone's trying to tell a story and, and they'll say, oh, that happened to me too. 
and they'll interrupt and and discredit that person in the middle of them being expressive and emotional. And I think that's another area that people can work on communication wise, but you know what? It's, it's, if we were all the same, the world would be boring, right? Right. It would definitely be boring. And, and, but also in that same line of thinking, is I've worked in I've worked in Iraq. I've, I've worked in uh, I was recently was in India, in India last year, so I work with a lot of people that we don't speak the same language, but we speak the same body language. They can tell when you when you actually understand and you can feel you can feel that pain, and so you don't even have to speak the same language for people to understand the empathy and not the sympathy. Well, and it's another good point that you're bringing up. A lot of times. Body language and nonverbal cues can can send a direct message. It doesn't always have to be verbal. And I think sometimes people forget that. So that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Now, I want to talk to you about your chapter because you've got me thinking now about these these five areas, these these five positions of power. And Mm -hmm. I'll define them, and then I'd like to talk about each of them. So we've got the godfather, the detective, Mm -hmm. the playmaker, the investor, and the believer. So give our Mm -hmm. listeners a little overview of position number one that you call the godfather. Uh, Well, you know, the movie with Marlon Brando uh, with the godfather. And it's, it's, you know, make you offer, you can't refuse, and it's just... And, and, and let me say one thing before that is people are, are often associate power with influence. They're two different things. Uh, I've, know, I've known uh, CEOs and vice presidents, presidents of companies that had that position. That position was power. But actually their secretaries had the most influence. So if you ever wanted to get anything done, you go to them. You want that that person with influence over the one with power. But you want to come from a position of power because, you know, people don't like to deal with anyone that they they, they think is needy. It's just it's just human nature. They, they're not going to uh, to uh, to deal with you at, at the same level as someone coming to a position of power. And and so that, that was part of the Godfather. And, you know, that, I forgot, when did we write this book? Because it's been a while ago. So I'm trying to remember uh, exactly what, what, I, what I said in that, in that chapter. Well, just some of the attributes, you know, strong, survivor, yeah. unapologetic, problem solver, paid his dues. I mean, you and I could be put in that position. We could say yeah. that we've we've had elements of our life as the godfather. I love that you talk about Clive Davis. I actually just watched um, a show, uh, a documentary on uh, him on Netflix and He's had a very interesting life, but lost his parents Mm. early. And he was a lawyer and, you know, landed up in the music business because he has such a good ear for music. But in line of what we're talking about in this interview, he has such a natural way to build rapport and communicate with people. Yeah. Yeah, and he loves what he does, and he's in his 80s now, and just mm-hmm. really phenomenal. So I was happy to see that. So position number two is the detective, and you say that this is in contrast to the godfather because 
the it's a power position, the detective, and it yeah. tends to operate with an, an emphasis on altruism. So give us an example or have you ever seen that in yourself through your business dealings or as you've evolved as an entrepreneur? Oh yeah. I, I do a lot more research than I, than I've ever done before. And with the internet, it's so simple. I mean, Wikipedia gives you pretty much everything on anybody you ever want to make contact with. So when, once, once you do your detective work and you meet someone, you, you can, you can, you can form that commonality. You know, it's like, uh, I'm from Texas. So when I'm in California, and we, I'm still in America, but if I hear someone's voice with that southern drawl, and I'm, you know, where are you from? I'm from Texas. So now we got a commonality. And when I'm in Dubai, I hear someone's American voice and uh, say, okay, where are you from in the States? So now I have a commonality. Now we're drawn together. And so uh, that's what you want to find when you do your detective work. You want to find a commonality that you can discuss and bring to the table whenever you meet anybody you want to make contact with or build a relationship with. I fully agree. Now, position number three, you call the playmaker, and then you and then in brackets you have the assist factor. So right. you've used you've used a couple of different um, examples here. You say another example of the role of the professional playmaker is an agent, whether they be in the field of sports, entertainment, and publishing, operating from a position of power as virtually no deals are cut without them being involved. So give us a little insight to that. And have you worked with any playmakers? Yeah, yes, I have. I've worked with a lot of playmakers. Uh, you know, one of my favorite sports heroes is Magic Johnson. You know, he's a Mad- uh, NBA all-star and uh, NBA world champion. And his thing, when he got the rebound, he was looking on the floor. He was looking for somebody he could give the ball to so they could score. And that's pretty much the way I do and we talked about listening earlier. I listen a lot differently than most people. When I'm talking to someone, I, my mind automatically is going through, okay, who can I connect this person with so I can accelerate what he's trying to do? Once they explain it to me what's important to them or what their goal is at that particular time or what project they're working on, my mind is automatically searching for the person I can, I can set them up with to make that project a success. Well, and I love that because to me, that still falls in line with what we were talking about before about just just do what you do. It doesn't always have to have a reciprocal effect. It shouldn't have a reciprocal right. effect. No. It doesn't yeah. have to be for money. Sometimes no. it just feels right to do things when you know that you can just step in and help someone, especially if they're willing to receive the help. So to me, it's- that's just another, you know, fine example of serving others and it makes you feel good yeah it absolutely does i mean you i can't tell you the the amount of times i've been in airports or getting on airplanes and people say hey remember me and and they start explaining how i connected them with this person or that person and uh, it was a success and it's just like okay i've forgotten all about it because i wasn't looking for anything in return and so it's just a part of who i've become Well, that's got to, you know, to me, again, my Irish Nana, she used to say, when you go to bed at night and lay your head down, you should have no problem sleeping if you've been a good, if you've been a good person and you did your best yeah. every day. And I still, mm-hmm. I still have that mantra every night. And that's like great. you, I, I wake up in the morning thinking, who can I help today? 
Yeah, yeah, I know you do because you know, like I said, you've been trying to make this interview happen for a long time. So you, you uh, have been wanting to make this happen not just for you and I, but for your listeners, and make sure we get that out there and help everybody be, you know, be successful as they as they want to be, uh, they want to become. And there's certain exactly. things I know that yet you're teaching them, and you have other uh, people that you're interviewing to come on, and, and you're doing a great job. And I want to thank you for that, Deb. Well, you know, I have a lot of fun every week, and I, I thought we were going to be doing this from Dubai, so you never know. I may, yeah. I may get you when you're in Dubai one time. I might have to get you to get up in the middle of the night, which I know you would. I just know oh, that yeah, yeah, right no now. Problem. <laughs> nope, no, no problem at all. We can do it. I, I so do it all the time. Let me, let me continue with um, the positions in your chapter here. So position number four is the investor. And I love this because you say it's the universal return on investment factor. And mm-hmm. you talk about one of my favorite people, Warren Buffett. And you mm-hmm. talk that many wealthy individuals who have been successful investors are unassuming. They do not have the external trappings one normally associates with wealth rather than spending their money on bling or flashy jewelry, high-end cars, designer clothes. They keep their money in the bank. Their assets are liquid and they have real estate holdings that continually increase in value. Talk to me a little Mm -hmm. bit about this. And is this something that you're adapting for yourself? And do you share this methodology with your clients? Yeah, I share that methodology. Uh, you know, I have nothing against bling, uh, but, you know, we have this thing. Uh, I'd rather be blessed than look blessed. So if you're going to be blessed, there's certain things you have to do. And, and like I said, be quiet and unassuming. You make sure you're making the right investments and you're making the right moves. And you're not out there being, you know, just not obnoxious with, with what you're doing. Uh, like I said, there's nothing wrong with bling and, and any of that stuff, but for the for the for the person who desires just just to go out and just continually be a blessing to people, uh, because you know they you know the the same the poor we will always have amongst us. So I can't help the poor from poor, and I don't want to make poor people think that it's easy to become. I wouldn't say rich, just just become success. And what success means to you it means different. To me, and means different to Deb. Whatever means the mean, the definition of success for you to accomplish that, there's certain things that you have to do. Well, and I don't know about you, but I would love you to tell me. I find I'm turning 52 this year, and I truly, I'm not going to say that I'm a minimalist, but I'm definitely becoming more of a homebody, and I enjoy quiet and I enjoy less. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. That, that's, that's what I'm becoming also. Um, uh, because I can tell you, Dubai is a combination of Hollywood and Las Vegas. So there's bling everywhere. But within that, there are still people that are just everyday, down-to-earth, people who like quiet. And, you know, I, I, I will pay any amount of money just to have peace than I would to go out and just like I used to. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'd rather peace, quiet, and just, you know, spend my energy doing things like that than the things that I used to do. No, I, I, I totally get it. I want to just finish off with the last 
um, position number five, the believer. I think this is my favorite one, the receiver factor. And you Mm -hmm. talk about that belief may appear to be a simple thing, but becoming a believer is actually the most challenging and the most important power position of all. Tell us why. You're never going to receive it if you don't actually believe it. And people will tell you to believe it. And I can tell you to believe it because I can see it. If I don't see it, then you really don't believe it. But you say you believe it. And, and that's what the trappings that a lot of people get. Yes, I'm a believer. I believe this. I believe that. But I don't see it. So if, if you truly believe it, I will see it. And, but it's a hard thing to get to uh, because people get trapped in beliefs. You know, uh, as a kid, you get these beliefs. I had what my, you know, uh, my my grandmother told me, you, you know, you can have your cake and you can't eat it too. It, it always it always it always annoyed me because I'm thinking as a little kid, like, okay, I can have the cake, but I can't eat it too. You know, why in the hell would I want the cake if I can't eat it? So it never made sense to me. And uh, but you have you have those beliefs that you have to overcome, and your beliefs will change as you evolve. What you believe yesterday, you may not believe tomorrow. You know, if 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 you went into a room and you you saw a chair and you sit in that chair, you believe you believe that the chair is going to hold you. When you sit in that chair and it falls, now your beliefs will change. Like, oh, that chair is not going to hold me. So your beliefs can change day in and day out. It all depends on your experiences in life. And, and so a lot of people get stuck and they cling on to the belief that they should let go. That's why they can't receive what they, the, the, the success that they want to receive because they're hanging on the beliefs of the past, and you can't. You got to let that go if you want to receive the things of the future. Well, and Jim Britt talks about that so eloquently in all that he does and all of the books he's written about letting stuff go. And I also mm-hmm. think that belief is deeply seeded with fear. And i oh, I yeah. think it's a I think it's a cognitive emotional piece that you know I love the word metacognition. It's you know it's how we think about thinking. And sometimes people just can't believe because they can't put their guard down. There's it's trust, but that's, you know, going back to the whole premise of this interview with you, that's why you have to build a solid relationship. And I know that there's um, different women's networking groups out there. And I remember uh, crossing one one day on the internet from Brazil and their tagline for their group was, we don't network, we make friends, you know, oh, cool. and, and years ago when we were young and, and, you know, we were taught to network and that was how you made sales and it didn't matter how you were doing B2B. It's that's what we did in the day, but time has evolved. We have the pre- the presence of technology now. And I always find it so interesting. Like you said, I've never found, especially in the last 10 years with technology, I would rather sit in my office and have a Skype conversation face-to-face than stand in a room with 300 people and hear that question that drives me crazy, Johnny, when somebody comes up and shakes your hand and says, what do you do? Right, right, yeah. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, it drives me nuts. Uh, like, yeah. you know, then, then you're supposed to go to your 30 second elevator speech instead right, of right. just having a, a free flowing, friendly conversation. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen yeah. anymore. 
it doesn't happen anymore. And that's and uh, and that's so frustrating. And I try to tell my clients, it, you know, first of all, you're in the wrong room. Now you can ask silly questions like that. So you've driven half hour, forty five minutes. You burn up the gas. Uh, you 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 pay money to uh, to get there. And now you get in the wrong room with the wrong people to be asked silly questions. I mean, why didn't you have a strategy before you before you went? These meetup groups, these networking uh, events. I mean, they have sponsors. Get with the sponsors to see if this is the right place you need to go in in the first place. And then once you get there, you got to have a game plan. And what you what's your desired outcome for going to this meeting? Or you just wasted time, energy, and money. Exactly. Well, I told you that this interview was going to go fast. I could sit here and talk to you all night about this. So we finally did this after a year and a half, and I I got you close to Canada. At least you're not on the other side of the world, but I am going to come to Dubai and visit you because I know we were planning that. I'm still excited to come there and meet some female entrepreneurs, and I know there's a paradigm shift going on, so we'll further that. That'll be our next conversation. Oh, and yeah, I just, I just want to, I just want to wish you all the best, and I, I just think your work is so invaluable, and I just, I wish you nothing but continued success, and I love your new website, businessrelationshipexpert.com, so I will add that to the episode info so people can have that and know where to find you. That's, that's amazing, and and uh, thanks, thank you for the opportunity to 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 be on your show and opportunity to speak with your listeners. And I hope they they got at least uh, one key key uh, nugget that they can, uh, you know, implement and put into, uh, into what they're doing already. I know they're highly successful people because they are uh, listening to you. And thank you for being you, Deb, and getting the message out and changing the world. Well, it's my pleasure, and, and I look forward to uh, to catching up with you soon. And you take care and have a great night. And happy Valentine's. You're my Valentine's tonight. Yeah, happy Valentine's to you, too. Uh, yeah, it's great. And we will chat soon, so take care. I'll take care. Thank Just a great interview with Johnny Mornay. I have been trying to get him on the show for a year and a half, but between the commute between Texas and Dubai, it's just been challenging. But what a successful entrepreneur, and he is just such an expert in relationship building and the work that he does. So thank you for finally being on the show tonight, Johnny. I'm smiling ear to ear. So before I let you go tonight, I want to let you know that uh, Mike Greenlee has done some work for some pretty impressive companies, including Google. And I just wanted to share with you uh, a letter of congratulations. He helped one of their staff, Roberto Paneguia, and I apologize if I didn't pronounce that properly, do a commencement speech that he delivered at the University of Iowa. And Roberto wrote a letter to Mike And he basically said this, and it's wonderful. This is just, dear Mike, this is to thank you profusely for your amazing help on the commencement speech I delivered at the University of Iowa. It was a big hit thanks to you. The president of the University of Iowa told me that I should run for the mayor of Chicago. Thanks so much, Mike. You are awesome. I will be recommending you with great enthusiasm to my colleagues at Google. I can't imagine a better writer. 
So Mike Greenlee, thank you for your sponsorship. Keep doing your amazing work writing. MikeGreenlee.com. This is Deb Crow. Thank you for tuning into the Changebook Radio Show. And I'll be back with you next week with another guest. Take care. Have a great week, everybody. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.